this week on Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras, I want to tell you some stories about Shankara, one of the great saints of India who possessed a fantastic wit. This podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, where you will find a newly updated audio library containing many of the slokas that you hear at the end of these podcasts, and new editions are made every week. Shankara is one of the great saints of the Vedic tradition. He was born in Kerala, on the western side of South India, and left his family at a very young age to become a sannyasi. He's generally called Adi Shankara, because Adi means first, so he was the first Shankara, and he led a very busy life and traveled all over India teaching. Eventually, he established four centers of learning in each of the corners of India, and then spent the remainder of his days in Kanchipuram in Tamil Nadu, South India. There is an earlier podcast in this series called Shankara and the Goddess that tells a very funny story about how Shankara became very devoted to the goddesses after being almost exclusively devoted to the male gods, and Parvati teaches him a very good lesson. There is another great saint in the Vedic tradition called Veda Vyasa. Vyasa organized the Vedas into the four that we know today as Rig, Yajur, Sama, and Atarva Veda. He was also the author of the Mahabharata, the 18 Puranas, the Brahma Sutras, and so on. Vyasa met up with Shankara one day when Shankara was teaching his students on the banks of the Ganges near Varanasi. Vyasa appeared as an aged Brahmana and asked the students who their teacher was. Oh, our Acharya, meaning teacher, is the great Shankara who teaches that life is non-dual, that we are all one with God. Vyasa, as the Brahmana replied, on what scripture does he base his teaching? Why, the great Brahma Sutras of Vyasa was the reply. Now Vyasa directed his inquiry at Shankara, if you consider yourself so great, then teach me something about any one of the Brahma Sutras. Well, the Brahma Sutras are very interesting. A sutra is a very short piece of knowledge, often called an aphorism in English. The Brahma Sutras contain a very detailed description and explanation of the mechanics of creation, specifically the journey of the soul from life to life, body to body, on the long path of liberation. Each sutra is just four or five words long, making it ideal for lengthy commentary and explanations of its meaning. Well, Shankara had written an extensive commentary on the Brahma Sutras, and Vyasa had obviously wanted to test his understanding. Shankara simply replied, Well, sir, you choose the sutra for me. So Vyasa quoted the first sutra from the third chapter, which says, In order to obtain another body, the soul leaves this one accompanied by the subtle elements. What that means, explained Shankara, is that we think of ourselves as the gross physical body made of flesh and fed with food. But there's a more subtle essence, a subtle spiritual body that migrates from one to another after the death. This subtle body takes with it some essence of the five elements, earth, air, fire, and water, and space with it. Why would this matter? Because it demonstrates the completeness of Shankara's knowledge. If he comprehended even the most minute details of the evolution of the individual along the entire path of ignorance to enlightenment, then he would be well qualified to lead others. Well, uh, uh, Vyasa and Shankara begin to argue, and then they continue to argue, and argue some more, and they end up arguing for eight days straight. And Shankara's students began to wonder who this Brahmana was, and they started to suspect that it might be Vyasa, who was in fact the author of the Brahma Sutras to begin with. So they speak to their teacher, and they say, Shankara, you are Shiva himself, but... We think that this Brahmana is no one other than Vyasa, an incarnation of Vishnu whose knowledge serves and protects the world. So essentially we have Shiva and Vishnu in different forms, secret from each other, arguing about the fine points of creation for eight days. Well, Shankara stops and honors the Brahmana, who assumes his usual form as Vyasa. Vyasa reads Shankara's entire commentary and says that he is unable to recommend any changes. He says, you share the same name, Shankara, with Shiva. But you are unique, and you seem to excel even that divinity in many respects. 
You have no trace of anger in your heart, while he is well known for his irritability. You have within yourself all kalas, or branches of learning, while Shiva has only one kala, the crescent moon, and that on his head. You are fully saturated with girija, or knowledge born of the Vedas, whereas even God Shiva has only one half because he shares his knowledge with Parvati. So, Vyasa continued, you must continue to teach and establish this knowledge in the four corners of India because no one is more qualified than you. But Shankara was not impressed. He simply said, well, I have written much. I have expounded on my writings, defended them, and trained my students. What else is there for me to do? My sixteen years of life are at an end, so please stay for a few days and witness my departure from this earth. Yasa was skeptical and said, Well, I think there is much more work for you to do. You have very much teaching to complete. The Creator had originally given you eight years of life, and the Rishi Agastya extended it an extra eight years. But I think you have much to offer the world, so therefore I extend your life another sixteen years. So Shankara decided to travel to Prayag, near Allahabad, to meet with a renowned saint by the name of Kumarila Bhatta. Kumarila was well known for having helped to establish the popularity and importance of the Vedic system of sacrifices, yagyas, in the region where Buddhism was very popular. But Buddhism places very little emphasis on these sacrificial rituals, so this aspect of Vedic knowledge had fallen into disuse and Kumarila had wanted to reestablish it. So he decided to study Buddhism at Nalanda, which was a great university and center of learning at that time. And he went undercover as a Buddhist, and when his studies were done, he asked to have one final debate with his teacher. At one point in the debate, his guru ridiculed some Hindu beliefs and expressed rather sarcastic doubts about the Vedas. Kumarila got so upset that tears started flowing from his eyes, and of course this made his guru suspicious, and he stopped the debate and demanded to know the true identity of Kumarila. When all was revealed, Kumarila was sentenced to death, and when he was about to be thrown off a building, he turned back and looked at his teacher and said, Well, so much for Ahimsa. But on the way down, he said, If the Vedas are true, let me be saved. And indeed he was, although he lost one eye, which happened by his own admission, because he had used the word if, if the Vedas are true. So for my doubt, and because I deceived my guru, I lost an eye, he said. Eventually his guilt at having betrayed his guru became too much for him, and he decided to expiate his sin by self-immolation in a fire made of rice husks. And it was at this point that Chankara arrived, he was too late because Kumarila would not come out of the fire, but apparently it was burning slowly enough for them to have a rather extended conversation and for Shankara to show Kumarila his entire commentary of the Brahma Sutras, of which Kumarila was most appreciative and complimentary. In the balance of their conversation, Kumarila asks Shankara to travel to the city of Mahishmati and to debate another great scholar by the name of Mandana, who... Uh, appreciated the Vedas, but was entirely disrespectful of the path of renunciation or sannyas. He was a wealthy householder whose wife, Ubhaya Bharati, was supposed to be the goddess Saraswati, born in human form as a result of a curse by the foul-tempered Rishi Durvasa. After reciting the Taraka mantra for Kumarila, the mantra that takes one across the ocean of samsara, complete liberation. Shankara left Prayag, as the text goes, traveling through the skies. Well, it seems that even being able to travel that way, it must have taken some time, because Shankara is described as descending from the sky, alighting in a park where they rested. And after a while, they went off in search of, Mandana, of uh, Mandana's compound, and they stopped to ask direction from a few young, young women they saw walking down the road. Well, the women told Shankara and his disciples to continue walking down the road until they came across a group of parrots discussing topics such as, has the Vedas self-validity, or does it depend on some external source for its validity? And 
Are the karmas able to release their fruits directly, or do they require the intervention of God to do so? Or is the world eternal or merely an appearance? Obviously very interesting parrots. Well, Shankara arrives and finds the gates closed, and there being no answer, he simply flies up and over the walls, dropping into the compound from the sky. He finds a hall, and there he discovers Mandana washing the feet of Vyasa and Jaimini, who no doubt had wanted to be there for this great confrontation. Well, Mandana lived up to his reputation was quite insulting, although the humor of their exchange depends a lot on the way Sanskrit words can have more than one meaning, and uh, it's difficult to explain, but we'll try to provide you with the gist of it. Mandana says to Shankara, Whence have you come, you shaven-headed fellow? Meaning, how did you get in? Because the gates are closed. Well, Shankara answers, assuming the meaning was, How far have you shaven? And he says, Up to the neck. That is not what I meant, said Mandana. I asked the way. Well, replied Shankara, If you asked the way, what did the way reply? Mandana didn't take this insolence very well and blurted out rather insultingly, It replied that your mother is a widow, and that you are a widow's son. Shankara smiled and pointed out, Indeed, did the way tell you that you are a widow's son? Then it must surely be so, for it was you and not myself who questioned the way. And in the answer you received, the you must surely refer to yourself. Mandana was certainly used to more respect than this, and asked contemptuously, have you been drinking liquor? The word used is pitum, which means drunk when used as a verb, and yellow which you, when used as an adjective. Oh no, said Shankara with a twinkle in his eye. Liquor is white, not yellow. Well, replied Mandana dismissively, I see you are well acquainted with its color. And you with its taste, replied Shankara. Mandana's face reddened. Oh, You who are so insulting must be under the intoxication produced by eating rotten flesh. Ushankara played with the words, which could also mean the one born of me, meaning his son, and said, You're right. As the father, so the son. If your son eats poisoned flesh, he must have learned it only from you. Mandana changed his tactics and attacked the appearance of Shankara, who as a sannyasi did not wear the yagnopavitra, the sacred thread. Nor did he have the traditional long tuft of hair at the back of his head called a shika. So Mandana belittled Shankara, saying, You rude fellow, is it that you have abandoned your shika and yagno pavitra because they are too much of a burden to you? By abandoning them, you seem to have burdened yourself with a bunch of rags, too heavy even for asses. Calmly, Shankara replied, Well... Even your father would not bear this load of a sannyasin's rags that I'm carried. Instead, he continued to bear, like an ass, the burden of a wife until the end in spite of getting kicks from her. The Vedas say that the life of a householder is a mere burden to one whose spirit is full of renunciation. You who cannot grasp that must be a man of very little understanding. Mandana wasn't about to give up and continued... The world knows that your vaunted Brahmanishta, which is devotion of, or to knowledge of Brahman, the world knows that your vaunted Brahmanishta is, it is loafing about with a bundle of dusty books and a collection of disciples owing purely to your incapacity to feed a wife and look after her. And pray tell, said Shankara, what is your Karmanishta, devotion to rituals? It means to become the servant of a woman after abandoning the service of a teacher due to your incapacity to remain very long as a celibate brahmacharan. Oh, fool, said Mandana, you were born of a woman, and it was a woman who brought you up, and yet you seem so ungrateful to them. Not only that, but you, sannyasi, failed to maintain the sacred Vedic fire, which according to the Vedas means that you are as guilty as one who commits virahatya, killing one's own son. Shankara wasn't thrown by this and quickly replies, You, who have clearly failed to know the self as Brahman, are guilty of Atmahatya, suicide. 
Mandana was getting weary of this and said simply, You are a thief because you've entered my home uninvited and unwelcome. Now leave me so that I may finish my pujas. Chankaru is persistent, saying, You are indeed the thief here because you eat food without giving their share to the sannyasi and brahmacharans as is laid down in the Vedas. Well, they quibble for a few more minutes, and finally Mandana says sarcastically, Look at what a sannyasi is here in these dark days of Kali Yuga, a brute of a fellow in the garb of a sannyasi, so that he can get good food without any work. Chankara sighs mockingly, and look at you with all your rituals. How can heaven be attained solely through them? It seems to me that you are taking the garb of a ritualist solely for the purpose of being able to sleep with women. At this point, the Rishi Jaimini intervenes and says to Mandana that it was his duty to offer hospitality and food to sannyasin. But then Shankara dismisses Mandana's offer of food, saying that the only true food was that of spiritual knowledge. He then challenges Mandana to a debate, to which he readily and confidently accepts. And Shankara adds as the final twist, which was that whomever loses the debate has to become the disciple of the other. Mandana in his confidence says, Even if Adishesha, the snake on which Vishnu sleeps, who marks the summit of all learning, challenges me with his thousand tongues, I shall not hesitate to accept the challenge. Mandana suggests that they use Vyasa and Jaimini as umpires. But they, knowing that Mandana's wife, Upaya Bharati, was in fact Saraswati, suggested her, to which both agreed. They would start early the next day. Mandana left to rest in his palace, while Shankara went to a nearby temple on the banks of the river. Jaimini and Vyasa, who had successfully instigated the whole event anyway, quietly slipped away. So I think this may be a good place to pause for this week. We'll continue with the conclusion of the story because the debate is very very interesting and very funny. We'll do that next week. And it would be only appropriate now to play a couple of selections from Shankara here. So we will listen first to Govinda Ashtakam about Govinda, Vishnu. And I've included Shivananda Lahari about Shiva. It's a little bit long at just over 20 minutes but it's well worth listening to because it has the characteristic melody and sweetness of Shankara's best compositions. So here are your chanting selections for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Satyam Gyanamanantam Nityamanakasham Paramakasham Satyam Gyanamanantam Nityamanakasham Paramakasham
ವಸಂತಿ ಮಚ್ಚೇದೋರ್ಗವಿ ಶಿವಾನಂದಲಹರಿ
ಸನ್ಮಾರ್ಗಡಿತೇತುಟಕುಟೀಪ್ಯ ವಿಶದ ಜಯ ಸ್ವಾಮಿಂದಕ್ಯಶಿವಗಣೈಸೇವಿತೋಪಾಧ್ಯೇತ್ರೋಧನಿಗೃಹೆ ಪ್ರವೇಶೋದ್ಯುಕ್ತಸ್ಪದಿಸುಖೋ ವಿಧಿ ವಿಷ್ಣು ದಿಶಸಿ ಪುನಶ್ಚ್ರಷ್ಟು ದಿವಿಭುವಿ ವಹನ್ ಪಕ್ಷಿ ಮೃಗದ ಅದೃಷ್ಟೇದೈಲಾಸೆ ಕಣಕಮಣಿ ಸೌಧೆ ಸಹ ಗಣೈ ವಸಂಭೋರಗ್ರೆ ಸ್ಫುಟಘಟಿತೂರ್ಧಾಂಜಲಿಪುಟ ವಿಭೋ ಸಾಂಬಸ್ವಾಮಿಗದೃಣ ಕಲ್ಪನ್ ಕ್ಷಣಿ ಸುಖದ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಗಣಾಶ್ಯಕುತಿಶ್ಯೇಯೃತಮೃಗಂಡಪರಶು ಚೇತ್ ಬಾಲೇಂದು ಚೂಡಾ ಮನೆ 
शुश्रूषा करवाणी दे पशुपते स्वामी त्रिलोकी गुरो नाड़ंबा परमोपकारकदेकम पशूना पते क्षिप्तमलंगलेनगलिमेवत्पयाग्रसकलामरातिभयत ृतकूपलिभूषणमयंभोमहात्मद ृतकुतोचे ृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्तिम ृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्तिमृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्तिमृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्तिमृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्तिमृतकुतोचेत्मात्मनस्ति
ज्ञानंदमहौषधिपलिता कैवल्यनाथे सदा मे मानसपुंडरी गणगरे राजावतंसे स्थिते दीयंत्रेन वचो घटेन कविता कुल्योपकुल्याक्रम सदा शिव से चरितांबोराशिव्यामृतारयुता भक्ति कलमाफल्यमे दुर्भिक्षा सेवक भगवन्श्वेशुता पापोत्द विमोचनाय रुचिश्वरिया मृत्युंजय स्त्रन प्रदक्षिण सबर्यालोकनाकर्णने जिह्वाजिचिरोहस्तनयन श्रोत्रहम प्राथि मापयतमु वस्तु सामग्री समेते सदा दुर्गादि प्रिय मामकमनो दुर्गे निवास गुरु आगछतिषभ मय्यवास गुरु स्वामीनादिगिरात मामकमन वर्तंते बहुषो मृगामदुषो मात्सर्यमोहादयाद्रयानोदरुचिता लाभम चाप्यसी करलग्नमृगकरेन्द्रभंगो गणशादूलिकंडनोस्तु गिरीशो विशदा कृतिहरे पंच मुखोस्ती मे कुशिकाजवर संसेते शाश्वते सौख्यादिखेदेदी सुधा सारैफलैर्दीपिते चेत पक्षिशिखा मने त्यजृता सचारमनल निंकरुगणी नीले विहार कुरु ृजानाथांग्रिसौधांतरे संवित्लाभ्युन्नति 
ಸುರಮುನಿಸ್ವಾಂತಾಂಬುಜಾತಾಶ್ರಯಂ ಸ್ವಚ್ಛಂ ಸದ್ವಿಜ ಸೇವಿತ ಸದ್ವಾಸನಾಷ್ಕೃತ ಶಂಬುಧ್ಯಾನ ಸರೋವರ ವ್ರಜಮನೋ ಹಂಸಾವತ ಸ್ಥಿರ ಕ್ಷುದ್ರಾಶ್ರಯಲ್ಲಭ್ರಮಣ ಸಂಜಾತಶ್ರಮ್ರಾಪ್ಸಿ ಆನಂದಮೃತಪೂರಿತ ಹರಪದಾಂಭೋಜಾಲೋಧ್ಯಘ್ನಮುಪೇತ್ಯ ಭಕ್ತಿಲಿ ಶಾಖೋಪಶಾಖಾನ್ವಿತೈರ್ಮಾನಸಕಾಯಮನಪಟಲಿ ಆಕ್ರಮ್ಯ ನಿಷ್ಕಲ್ಮಷಾಷ್ಟಲಪ್ರದೂ ಮೇ ಸತ್ಕರ್ಮ ಸಂವರ್ಧಿ ಸಂಧ್ಯಾರಂಭ ವಿಜೃಂಭಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಶಿರಸ್ಥಾನಾಂತರಾಧಿಷ್ಠಿ ಸೇಮ ಭ್ರಮರಾಭಿರಾಮಸೃತ್ವಾಸನಾಶೋಭಿ ಭೋಗೀಂದ್ರಾಭರಣ ಸಮಸ್ತಸುಮನ ಪೂಜ್ಯಂ ಗುಣಾಷ್ಕೃತ ಸೇವೆ ಶ್ರೀಗಿರಿಮಲ್ಲಿಕಾರ್ಜುನ ಮಹಾಲಿಂಗ ಶಿವಾಲಿಂಗಿ ಭೃಂಗೀಚಾಟನೋತ್ಕಟಕ್ಕರಿಮತಗ್ರಾಹೀ ಸ್ಫುರನ್ಮಾಧವ ಆಹ್ಲಾದೋನಾದಯುತ ಮಹಾಸಿತವಪು ಪಂಚೇಶು ಸತ್ಪಕ್ಷಸ್ಸುಮನೋಮನೇಶು ಸಪುನ ಸಾಕ್ಷಾನ್ಮದೀಯೇ ಮನೋ ರಾಜೀವೇ ಭ್ರಮರಾಧಿಪೋ ವಿಗರತಾ ಶ್ರೀಶೈಲವಾಸೀ ವಿಭು 